Welcome to The Breakdown with Brock Corbin Becky, a weekly podcast that breaks down politics, policy, and current affairs. I'm Michael Broadcorp. Becky is off for one more episode for her fancy wedding. She will be back on the podcast next week. I'm excited to have our special guest host, Jeff Kolb, back for this episode. They say all politics is local, and in this episode, we really mean it. We're joined by Mayor Tim Sanders of Blaine to talk about local politics and developments in the city of Blaine. Mayor Sanders was elected in 2020 and is serving his first term as mayor of Blaine. Before serving as mayor, Sanders served in the Minnesota House of Representatives from 2008 to 2016. Jeff previously served on the Crystal City Council from 2014 to 2018. So get ready for an all-municipal edition of the Breakdown with Broadcom and Becky as the Honorable Jeff Kolb and Mayor Tim Sanders nerd out on their love of city government by talking about exciting topics such as conditional use permits, quasi-judicial zoning decisions, and the dynamics of serving in city government. Thank you for joining us, and I hope you enjoy this special show. All right, as Michael mentioned, we are uh, pleased to be joined today by the mayor of Blaine, Minnesota, Tim Sanders, the Honorable Tim Sanders. Good to have you here today. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Michael. Really appreciate the opportunity to hang out with you guys for a little bit. So, Thank you for joining us today. So, yeah, uh, Mayor Sanders, uh, or I may call you Tim because uh, as a fellow former uh, right. municipal elected official, I feel That's like right. on a first-name basis. We uh, just talk all... Do I have to call you both honorable then? Please. Okay. So you've always had to, to do that with me, Michael. Yes. I mean, that's yeah. it's always Please. I don't think I, I don't think I've ever I don't think I've ever ever got to call you by your first name. So it's yeah. either yeah. representative well, or mayor. Yeah, that's fair. Let's let's start today. Tim is yes. good. Please. Let's do it. Please. Please. So so let's start with uh with some basics. You are the mayor of Blaine. Yes. yes. How long have you been yes. the mayor of Blaine? I was elected in 2020. So okay, just so, over what are we in year three here? Okay, yeah. so and you're in you're in your first term. Correct. Okay. And you before that you did have a career in the Minnesota legislature, yes? Yes, that's right. I was elected in two thousand and eight. And then uh, you know, we uh we call it retiring at the age of thirty-four in uh two thousand sixteen. Fantastic. All right. So a couple terms in the legislature. I did mention when we were chatting a little bit before the interview started that when I was on the city council in Crystal and you were in the legislature, I actually wrote you a letter in my formal capacity, and I actually found it while we were talking here. So it, oh, was, awesome. in, it was in support of House File 2093, which would allow local governments to establish special park fees. That did not pass. Yes. So thanks yes. for nothing. I appreciate well, I, uh, I appreciate your lack of support on that. What year, what year was that? Uh, let's see. It was 2016. So wait a second. Oh so shoot! Jeff, so we were in the majority at that yeah. point in time. Shoot! So <laughs> city. So Council Member Kolb sent a letter. This is for the Apple file. So Council Member Kolb sent a letter to a Republican legislator asking for the ability to raise park fees. Yes. Great. Yes. That's fantastic. Yep. I'll note that in my Apple file, and this interview is already paid off. Thank you. Yeah. Actually, as a, as a quick aside, so here's the deal with the, with the special park fees is that. As a city, you can you can bond, meaning you can borrow money and put that on the ballot and have people vote for it and say that yes, they want to go ahead and and borrow a bunch of money to 
do a big project to build a community a community center mm-hmm. or invest in their parks or whatever. But what you can't do is ask them if they want to pay extra in taxes for a project if you're not borrowing money. And so that's where it came from is we wanted to do a special investment in the parks. But what we wanted to do is ask the residents, do you want to add you know, a certain amount of money per year to the tax levy that would be dedicated to parks, yes or no. And legally in Minnesota, you're not allowed to do that. And so you, you can ask residents to spend money if they are, if you're borrowing money, but you can't if you're not borrowing money, which is kind of a silly thing. But you get it, Jeff. You wanted the law changed to raise taxes. It's all clear to the listeners. Keep going. <laughs> Let's stay focused right. here. Let's stay focused. So, so we were, we're not here to talk about special parks fees, though. So we're, <laughs> we're here to talk about some. <laughs> We're we're here to talk about some development that's going on in the city of Blaine, and um, specifically, um, I, I guess I want to hear about what's going on in Blaine, kind of overall. But I think uh, a little bit there was a, I would call it a minor dust up um, that caught my attention uh, last week around uh, some media coverage around this project that really brought me back to my days on the city council and and gave me uh, I don't want to belittle the term PTSD, but gave me some flashbacks to um, dealing with people on the city council. So that's why this, uh, that's why this caught my attention. So uh, Mayor Tim Sanders, tell us a little bit about the development that's going on in Blaine. Yeah, thank you. What a great question. You know, Blaine is an amazing city, truly. And I think that when being part of the North Metro, I think the North Metro in general is a little bit of an for the rest of uh, the metro area. And so we're, we're working hard and trying to size that ship a little bit. But Blaine is now probably eighth or ninth largest city in the Twin City. Actually, yeah, I, in the dro- state of Minnesota. I drove through yeah. the other day. I actually just noted that it's something like 70,000 people are, are close there, I think. So, yeah, I mean, it's, exactly. it's not, a, not a small city. No, not at all. We're approaching about 73,000 you know, residents. What makes Blaine super unique is the amount of sports recreation that we have in the community. Uh, so whether it be the National Sports Center, which brings you know roughly four and a half to five million people to the city of Blaine, to the region, to the state of Minnesota every single year for sports, uh, whether it's the PGA Tour and the 3M Open, whether it's Fogarty Ice Arena, uh, the Four Seasons Curling Club. I mean, we are truly a sports recreation destination. And really, I mean, that comes out to roughly 7 million visitors a year to the city of Blaine, which is staggering. And so we've been doing a really good job the last couple of years, really getting out and kind of telling that story. Because as you know, Jeff, when you're talking uh, with developers and and end use operators, right, it is all about what do the demographics say, right? Is it is my business worth planting in your community? What are the rooftops? What's the affluence? You know, all, all of that goes into the decision making of do we want to invest hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars into putting amenities into a community? And so Blaine really over time really kind of developed in, in kind of a patchwork phase and, you know, just kind of be like one development at a time. And I would say where Blaine kind of missed the mark a little bit was there really wasn't a master vision for really how the whole city would develop. Uh, and so just kind of, it kind of developed in chunks and kind of developed really you know, from the north to the northeast. Um, and so, you know, we've been in a spot where for years now, residents are saying, hey, we love the community. We love all the open spaces. We love the wetlands. We love uh, the parks. We love our neighbors. We don't have the amenities that we feel like we deserve or that we want. And why can't we get 
you know, the Trader Joe's or, or, you know, some of those other unique or kind of quality uh, grocers? Why can't we get some of the nicer non-chain restaurants? Uh, why are we lacking some of the, the upper end retail? And so, you know, when I was running for mayor and came in, I said, hey, we're going to change the philosophy a little bit instead of, you know, just kind of a a master zoning of the city and kind of dust your hands clean of it. Let's, let's go out and tell the story of Blaine and let's aggressively pursue what we want. And that's really what we've uh, started to do. And so we've identified, you know, multiple priority economic development areas throughout the city uh, and really kind of designed those to be kind of an ecosystem. The, the concept of being able to park once and then be able to get to all of the different amenities or shopping needs that you have, whether it's grocer coffee shops, bar, restaurants, other retail uses, um, but really kind of creating these ecosystems of amenity-driven experiences throughout the city. And we've had tremendous success despite everything that's been happening in the world, you know, the last few years, which is capital is very difficult. Labor is very difficult. Um, you know, it's, it's not an easy time right now for businesses to be looking at building, uh, particularly from the ground up. Um, We've done a really good job, and we're really excited about that. We've got a massive renovation and revitalization plan for our Northtown Mall area, uh, which you know is a mall that is you know what I don't even know forty fifty years old. Um, you know that really has not kept up with with the times and needs some help. Needs some real revitalization uh, brought to that area, that part of the city. Um, you know, to some other areas of the city too, where we still have a lot of dirt left to grow and develop. And so really doing that well, strategic plans, uh, and kind of master design those areas well before you kind of, you know, hand it over to a developer. Uh, and then our 105th, uh, redevelopment, which is immediately north of the national sports center, uh, which is about 60 acres designed to bring in hotels, restaurants, retail, um, some, high-end apartments as well, and really designed to be an entertainment experience, a, an, an entertainment district, uh, first for our residents, but then as I mentioned in my opening, to really go after all of those sports tourists that come here. Now, the National Sports Center hosts about 54 major, they would consider major tournaments a year. So between soccer, hockey, lacrosse, ultimate frisbee, I mean, all, just all of these things that they uh, really get into. Um, you know, Victory Links golf course right, right there, which is a PGA golf course as well. I mean, I think they did upwards of 35,000 rounds of golf uh, last year alone. Uh, so just a staggering amount of people there. But again, we've really lacked the amenities to keep people in Blaine. And then selfishly, from our perspective, not only is that money leaking out of the city of Blaine, but it's leaking out of Anoka County and it's going to Hennepin County in particular, which, you know, you've got your Bloomington Mall of America thing where it's fun to stay. There's things to do. Maple Grove, Rosedale area, all fun places to be and do if you're in town, you're a sports team. And so we really just said, we're going to take this on. Um, our residents deserve an entertainment district with, with the amenities they're looking for. Uh, and now we'll have a way to really capture uh, all the sports tourists that are coming to our great city and, and potentially our great state from around the world. So let's, uh, a couple of things on that. Number one, you seem to know the city of Blaine really well. I'm curious, do you know the store that used to be in Northtown Mall where they would sell all the cool um, band t-shirts and then all the bootleg CDs? Is that still there? Because that's where I used to hang out. <laughs> yeah. 
that's that what you used awesome. to go to get to get the like the like german bootleg yes. you know nirvana <laughs> concert or whatever that that, that, that was recorded. Awesome. that was that was fantastic yeah, um, i think it's flipped over a couple times but yeah. all right yeah, that's too bad um but the the what you touched on there was something that that i think uh, is a lot of a lot of people misunderstand and i think that's what the role of a city is in development and that a city you know there's a lot of there there are things that a city can do to make an area attractive for development but a city can't force development right the market has to want development you and are so absolutely spot on right absolutely. so you have you have to have this balance of spending public funds to attract and understanding you know what the roi is going to be and then you get into tax increment financing and all that kind of stuff and i think we have um different experience because crystal is fully developed right we didn't have any mm -hmm. undeveloped land and so we but we went through a very similar thing when i was on the council there where we we looked at the city holistically and we said okay here's the areas that we want to try and attract development and we want to beautify for lack of a better term and then we talked about okay so what public infrastructure spending can we do to try and entice the kind of public or private sector development in those areas and we ended up doing some improvements to streetscapes and some things like that but where it's appropriate kind of public private it's not even partnership per se because it, what you're doing generally pre it it it's it's before the development that you're you're kind of prepping things to make them ready for development and it sounds like you've got a plan there to make things um you know to kind of we did the same we had three three sections right our sections mm -hmm. were much smaller but it was like these are the three areas we want to focus on here's what we want to do what can we do from a you know from a public investment standpoint so um so that was cool you're kind of speaking my language there um let's so there was so can we can we um dig in a little bit more specifically on the sports related because i think that's where the dust up was related to was some some kind of sports specific sports related development so what's is where are we in that stage of development are are there committed uh, are there committed projects are we at it's kind of a before that point or where are we Sure, that's a great question. Um, so this this particular project, I'll try and give you just a little bit of background because um, it is it's such a long process that I know you understand, Jeff. But you know, initially when we chose this area, and frankly, the city, even before I was mayor, was going into this area. It's right in the middle of our city. If you look at a map, 105th Avenue and Radisson Road is almost probably dead on the heart of our city. And as I'd mentioned earlier, you know, as the city was growing, you know, Blaine at, at one point in time was, you know, that's up north, right? It's only 11 hmm. miles from Minneapolis, St. Paul, but, you know, it was up north. And it still feels up north for me. So, I, live in, yeah, exactly. I only live in Crystal, right? <laughs> exactly right. And so as it was developing out, right there in the heart of our city now became kind of an industrial park is right in the middle of the city now but at the time no one could envision you know humanity living past 105th avenue and blaine right it was just kind of like hey this is the wall and this is the industrial part uh, so the city started going in and buying up some of those properties as they were you know you know kind of pull barn manufacturing or or industrial buildings uh, started buying up some of those properties uh, even before i was mayor 
Um, and as I came in and said, hey, we really need to think about this entertainment district, this was the site that was selected because the city had already owned some properties. Um, so we had sent out, kind of like you said, we had kind of master designed this area, probably starting early in 2021 as a city council, sent out an RFP to select an architect. Um, we then, as a, the city of Blaine has an EDA, so an economic development authority, which is the it is basically the the city council and the mayor, um, but that allows us to to move in in a way that a city council can't, especially around land acquisition and development. Uh, but the EDA approved that plan in June of two thousand and twenty two, just kind of the master design, right? Like, hey, as as far as a city council goes, this is what we kind of like to see and envision. Um, we then chose, uh, or, you know, went to go through an RFP process where we started looking for a master developer to select, uh, and that started, uh, in, in July of 2022. And we entered into, uh, through that whole process took about six months in selecting a master developer, but selected that master developer entered into that agreement in December of 2022. Um, so right now we are working our way through that master development agreement, um, and doing all the civil engineering, uh, that needs to happen, still acquiring the last couple parcels of land. Um, but, but beginning to work on the master plan and the architecture of what the site layout will be. And you know, this too, Jeff, from your days on the city council, it's, it's, uh, you know, we've got a huge environmental piece that we've got to go through. We've got uh, all the civil engineering that has to be done, all the uh, horizontal stuff. We're really kind of in that horizontal phase. Uh, Rainwater management. Ex the, exactly the, right. Yeah. And because Blaine, you know, that's such a significant point because Blaine really is a massive wetland in general. Uh, our soils are not amazing. It's we're basically all sand and, and wetlands up here. Uh, we have to have about three and a three and a half acres of water runoff on this site, which is tremendous uh, if you think about it. So the engineering and the architecture just to get uh, to that phase of figuring out where buildings will actually go is quite significant. So uh, there are discussions right now, and that really happens mostly between the master developer, um, but with some of those end use operators of what what are the things that will really make this a thriving entertainment district? What are the things that are needed to support that? You know, you, you're going to need some corporate there. You're going to need a lunchtime crowd uh, to support the restaurants and to support the retail. You're also going to need some housing uh, to support those things as well. Kind of the Monday, you know, through the Thursday, right? There's a whole list of ingredients that go into how you make a development successful, uh, and so all of those things are being uh, contemplated and evaluated right now because it has to work. You know, it's not just, hey, what's the coolest sounding thing, but it's what will be successful day one. But then also what's successful day, you know, year seven, what's successful year 15 and how what's your revitalization plan to really keep those things current and feeling new. So even when it's 10, 15 years old, it still feels new and it's thriving. So there's a lot that goes into that. And that's kind of the phase we're in right now is looking at uh, what are the best uses and how will the land lay out to, to bring this all to life. But we have an aggressive timeline to bring this up. And we think 
the district, you know, we are we are really pushing for the district really coming alive in very early spring of 2026. That was fairly aggressive. Um, so I'm going to take us in a slightly different direction for a second, and I'll, I'll bring us back around again. But so let's talk a little bit about the city council in Blaine. How many members are on the city council? There are six members of the city council and then the mayor, so seven votes. And then do you, are you elected by wards or districts or are they just, are they all at large? Uh, all of our city council members are elected by ward and they're staggered okay. terms. So there are two council members for each ward, which are staggered and the mayor is at large. Okay. And so when, what is the, generally speaking, what's the makeup of the city council in terms of, I guess I'd say tenure and experience and um, you know, is it all old timers and you're the new guy? Is it, is it a mix? What's the kind of, uh, we have one city council member that just won her first reelection and she's our most senior member. Okay. So it is, a, so it is a fairly young group in terms of, I mean, not age wise, but I mean, in terms of, of tenure on the, Correct. on the city council. Okay. Correct. Um, then one of my soapbox items that I get that I can't stop talking about is what I have. I despise the infiltration of partisan politics to local government. You have served both in in a partisan office and in local government. Um, any any initial thoughts when I when I say that when I just throw that out there? I wholeheartedly agree with you, as you said. I got partisan answered eight years in the Minnesota was partisan and, and people expect those roles to be partisan. And I think they're, depending on what you, what you want your brand to be, people, there's right ways and wrong ways to do that. When it comes to local government and I include county government as well, it should really be devoid of, of partisan politics. You know, roads should not, be partisan. Development should not be partisan. It can be if you allow it to be. It shouldn't be. Uh, that's not how you serve a city best, right? This is your community. I understand that things are partisan at the state and national level, right? And you're fighting for political ideology. You're fighting for political platforms. The city here, you're supposed to be fighting for your neighbor. You're supposed to be fighting for your community. You're supposed to be fighting for roads and developments that work for everybody, regardless of their uh, political ideology, their political past, uh, whatever those things might be. So I completely agree with you. Um, and I think that it's it becomes very difficult to do your job the right way if you let politics get into it at all. And so I really, really worked hard at trying to keep politics out of City Hall. Um, you know, it's, again, not hard to look at other cities, whether it be in the state of Minnesota or throughout the country, where they've let politics ruin their communities. And, you know, just as a city leader, that's, in my opinion, not the not the time or the place. What, um, which do you enjoy more? Can you say now? I mean, it's like <laughs> you had more time in the legislature, I guess. I that's probably like asking a musician what's their favorite album. They're always going to say it's the the latest, the, the one the I latest just recorded, one. right? Yeah. Uh, but I would, I would say, I mean, you know, the legislature uh, and Michael. I mean, I don't know. 
your thoughts around this, but there is something just almost intoxicating about the adrenaline with which the Capitol ran on. Um, I loved my time in St. Paul. It, it's not conducive to a family or a career or any of those things too long. And frankly, being a, you know, kind of a citizen servant, right? It, you're kind of, it shouldn't be a lifelong career thing anyway. And so I felt for me, eight years was good enough. I also don't think St. Paul is what it was when I left. Uh, and so I don't know that I would enjoy it now uh, compared to what I got to experience. But being mayor, the ability to really, you know, work with some of your immediate community members to say, how do we improve our city and help it reach its full potential and the speed with which you can get things done compared to the legislature uh, is extremely rewarding. So I, I really enjoy uh, being mayor, really enjoy the city of Blaine. Uh, you know, it's just, but it's one of those things where like, I think my, my eight years in St. Paul will have a, you know, always have a special place in my heart and the relationships, you know, kind of the trench warfare and the people you got to, to meet and, you know, experience life with, uh, was truly something I'll always cherish. Um, but as far as being effective and, and, you know, being an executive in your city is, is, uh, pretty amazing. I would say that legislative politics have a tendency to sometimes get more headlines, but that's certainly changed in the last the last week related to Blaine, and that's why we're having this conversation today. But I think a bit yeah, because uh, right. things can all politics is local, as Tip O'Neill right. famously said. And yeah. and hearing you two talk about municipal code and talk about you guys go bantering back and forth, this is where C-SPAN needs to develop, and this is where they need to expand. Talking into branching out into municipal conversations and stuff. This you two are just we need to do more of this. And you guys are just you guys are absolutely geeking out here. And nerd well, out, and it's, it's I'm <laughs> learning stuff, and that's the great part. I'm learning stuff. Yeah. It's yeah. wonderful. So uh, let me ask one more kind of set the set the baseline question, and then we'll get into the 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 dust up, if you will. But what uh, what do you make as the mayor of of Blaine? What's the uh, the annual salary? What the the annual salary? It's right yeah. around fifteen thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay. For we the made year. I think I made eight as a city council member yeah. in, in yeah. Crystal. It, it works out to, if you're doing the job right, it works out to about 40 cents an hour right. um, because it's, it's, it's a, a, it's a, it's a part-time job. And I think, I think television between television and movies and, um, and the big cities, it, it creates a impression in people's minds that are not, that, that is unrealistic about um, what most municipal government is right it's a it's an extremely yes. part-time job do you have an office at city hall i do not actually i mean yeah, i have well, rooms that that i have access to uh certainly yeah. but no i don't there's not a mayoral office in, right uh, the, the, and people hall. people get surprised to hear that they're like you know your office at city hall and like there's you, you don't have an office you're you right. you you know you might get an access to a conference room if you want to meet with a constituent somewhere mm -hmm. you know but or whatever yeah. but it's not there's you don't have staff Right, you don't have. There's not a an aide to the mayor or anything like that. There's a city manager or a city administrator that runs the whole city right. and then gives a little bit of their attention to the elected officials too. But it's not, you know, if you want to write a letter, you're probably writing that letter by yourself. If you're gonna, you know, respond to some of these things, um, anything. I mean, it's it's basically, you know, you're you're a one man show, which is much yes. different than than the legislature where you had this kind of whole 
machine and behind is, you to do different so things. Which is so interesting when you think about that, Jeff, because you're exactly right. It's exactly how it is. You know, when I when I served, I mean, until redistricting, and actually even maybe after, I still had probably one of the larger house districts, I think, just because of Blaine's growth. But, you know, especially towards the end there, when I was a committee chair, I had an LA, I had a CLA, a committee legislative assistant, I had a committee administrator, I had a media writer, you know, it's like, or even when I was the house whip, you know, like all of those, I mean, I had multiple staff underneath me and you get here and now, you know, so what was that district? Maybe, maybe 50, 40, 40 plus 50,000 for a house district. I have a city of 73,000 people, 73,000 constituents, you know, and it's, right. uh, you know, you're, it's just, it's so interesting, you know, it's a larger, larger district than, uh, you know, a county commissioner, even you look at Noka County. I mean, I think they make 80 plus grand a year, you know, and right. have, I think less meetings than we do, which is all yeah. fine. It's not why you do the job, but it's, it is very interesting how those things it is. A, it's, it's a strange, it's a, it's a, it's a strange place to be and you have to kind of love it to do it. Otherwise you, cause you're certainly not doing it to get rich. Um, right. The other thing that I think is interesting, especially as somebody who has the partisan background, is the is the way that the open meeting law works in um, in cities versus yes. the legislature, right? Because yes. at the legislature, you you guys would caucus, you'd go into a room mm -hmm. together, you'd decide who was going to vote on what and what we were going to say about it and do all these things, and then you'd walk out, and then it would play out on the floor, and yeah, you know, whatever. But it was largely predetermined. There are very, very, very strict laws about what, who you can talk to and how many conversations you can have. And you can't have serial meetings and you have to make sure that you didn't talk about the same thing with this person who then talked to th with that That's person. Right. And there's not, there's an opportunity. So you have seven. We had, we also had seven. You could talk to like two other people without That's getting exactly in trouble. Right. And that That's it. exactly right. Yep. And so can you, can you explain that for our listeners? So you, Describe how that would work on a daily basis. For instance, so, you can't have a you can't have a group text. You can't you can't email, right? So we were not allowed you could to. Not, you could also not group text. You couldn't have like a invite them all over your house for like a barbecue or a meeting. So or, you would have to post it online as a as a city council meeting, you know, right. and then put publish the address. And technically, anyone could show up to your house for that meeting. There's it's, not it's, an allowance for a social gathering of some sort. So you couldn't get together to watch the, the Vikings game last night or, so you, or something. So you could, you could, as long as you don't talk about anything related to the city. Got it. And okay. so, th so you, so could you, I mean, can you, yes. Should you, you know, it depends on your kind of level of comfort with it. There were certainly times when I was at social gatherings, when there were more than where there was more than a quorum um, or like a, like a, a funeral, we were, there was a funeral for somebody, right. And there was more than a quorum there because it was somebody that we worked with, but it wasn't, we weren't all sitting talking about the, what was on the agenda next time. It was, it. it was, it was certainly personal, but when it comes to like pushing an agenda forward, that's where I think it gets really interesting because you have the ability of in the, in the legislature and in the, in that partisan role to kind of coordinate with people and, divide and conquer and understand where people feel there's a lot of behind the scenes conversations and you can get the temperature and you like, we really, we were not allowed to email each other. Um, you could email one person, you could have a phone call with one person, you could have a phone call with a second person, but it, you don't want to get past that because then you've, 
gone over the the limit. And so all of, or I would not all of, but the, the, the vast, vast majority of what you're talking about absolutely happens in public at either, uh, uh, I don't know what you call them, work sessions or study sessions, or they're, they're the meetings that aren't on TV. And then there's the meetings right. that are on TV, right? And so yeah, you have work, some workshops or work sessions. Yep. Yeah. And they're, they're all, but they're all public. Right. It's just that some of them are where you, um, in, in, in one set of meetings, you can't take a formal action because you can't take any votes in the council meetings. That's where you have to take all your actions because that's when votes happen. And so there's the ability to coordinate and triangulate and do all of that stuff is extremely limited, um, at the local level. And I think that's something that people don't understand either because it's the, the, the extremely limiting ability to, understand where other people are on something or to try and get yep. on the same page on something all happens publicly. And, and I think that was really one of the tougher pieces to adjust to for me, especially coming out of the legislature. And it's not because you wanted to ever hide anything um, or not have those conversations, but there also is something to being able to have open, honest conversations that aren't always, you know, on TV that, I think ends up producing a better policy product. Um, and that I think would help eliminate some of the potential political things if you were able to collaborate uh, and build consensus on things before you had to walk into, you know, a publicized or a TV, you know, style council meeting. Okay. The reason I say that is because in the House of Representatives, it was just embedded and ingrained into your dna you do your work in committee right like if you started doing outside of the pure political junk right like if you started doing amendments to fix something on the house floor it's a really good way to get your bill sent back to committee right they're like no you do your work in committee you bring things to the floor that are ready for prime time and so to bring things to the floor in a council meeting that aren't ready for prime time and you know that, and then if you have to add inexperienced council members on top of that, so maybe they haven't a good idea, but they just don't have the experience to understand the consequences of, of you know, and I, and I don't mean like negatively always, but just to understand the effects of what they're saying uh, does not lead to the best public policy in most cases. And then you meet twice a month. Right. right. So, right. so if you, if you want to have further conversation on something, you have to balance the fact that, okay, if we're going to talk about this more, that's great. But now we're looking at two months out because of, you know, if it's an ordinance or whatever, you have notice and, and all this stuff. And so it's like, so a lot of that. So th it is, it is an interesting, it is interesting. Um, it's, 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 it's interesting to navigate. All right. So let's get into a little bit of the dust up. Um, there was there was some media coverage about this project that you have going on uh, in Blaine. I want to start and preface by the number. Uh, I'm going to give a short list of the number of things that I was personally accused of that was either a conflict of interest or corrupt. Okay, when when I was on the city council, yeah. um, any member of the city council or the mayor owning a business or um, having any customers that live in the city was a conflict of interest or corruption. Um, voting to sell land that the city owned in another city was a conflict of interest and corruption. Um, using a vendor that gives you good rates to get your uh, campaign literature printed was uh, 
corruption or a conflict of interest. Um, I, I and I could I could just keep going. The, Are you a the city num- council member in Hazard County or something? The, the number of <laughs> times, the number of times, it's really interesting because people go, people tend to like, they throw this term around conflict of interest or they they mm-hmm. talk about corruption. And they do it in such a cavalier way as if those words don't have meaning and if those words don't have definition. And right. I, I was literally, and, and in one of the media stories about this, about this particular um, topic we're talking about, some one of the people who was mad at you about something literally made the, the statement, which was my first example, that the mayor cannot have a business or customers in the city because that's inherently a conflict of interest, which is just a ludicrous position um, that that doesn't even deserve discussion, right? It, that's just right. A, that's such an asinine um, choice. Can you tell us a little bit, um, to the best of your ability, because I know it's sometimes hard to get into the mind of the person who wants to accuse you of something wildly that doesn't have any basis in reality. But can you give us kind of at least in broad strokes? what's the potential rub here or what's the, what's the conflict? What are we mad about? You know, man, that, like you said, that is so tough to try and crawl inside of the minds of of individuals that don't like you or, or don't agree with, with something without them being clear and concise and honest about it. Um, So I'll try. I'm not really sure. Uh, A little background is um, I I do have uh, several business partners and uh, we have moved into kind of the hospitality space and looking at, um, well, for sure, we are putting in a restaurant, uh, an entertainment uh, restaurant experience in the city of Blaine, but also looking at other communities uh, as well for expansion. Uh, but, you know, it is, it is something where our business group, it is something that we have always said, hey, we want to provide value to people's lives. Um, you know, and having a great restaurant entertainment experience is, is a really good way to do that. Uh, we believe that we can deliver an amazing experience uh, for people and enrich people's lives. Uh, and we think that, uh, you know, it, it's worth investing in. The city of Blaine for me, you know, I, I'm running around and selling the city of Blaine all day long. And, you know, we meet with executive chefs or end use operators that were saying, Hey, come and invest millions in the city of Blaine and put something here. Um, you know, I started asking, why are we not getting some of these unique restaurants? Why are we not getting some of these unique things that are in other communities that are staples in those communities, but we're not getting them here. And I just kind of settled on the answer is, you know, they were initially homegrown and it takes someone willing to step up and do it. Now we do have you know, one or two individuals in the city of Lane that have done that. Uh, and I think what they've done is inspiring um, and kind of shows a roadmap. Um, but, you know, we're ble- I'm betting on the city of Blaine and betting on, you know, the the almost 7 million, biz- you know, sports visitors that come to the city of Blaine for sports and recreation. And we need more restaurants. Um, it, it's a great business decision, but it's also a place where I've lived. My kids have been born and raised in. Uh, and I want to benefit my city. Uh, I think that we can provide value there. So yeah, we we have started um, a, a hospitality, a restaurant business, you know, in the city of Blaine. And so you know, I did not in my mind never once in that would be controversial, especially when if anyone knew what it takes to open a restaurant 
and the millions of dollars that it takes to open a successful restaurant. Uh, I just never in my mind did I think that that would be controversial. <laughs> so as a, here, um, here we are. As, an, as someone who's never been elected to public office, I have to say, as a taxpayer, though, as someone who that would seem to be absolutely what you would want from an elected official. You would want someone, wouldn't you want your elected officials to have, to be out there touting the success of the city, have a business there? That's exactly what you'd want. You'd want all the type of, you want everyone to be engaging in economic development in the city, but particularly those types of opportunities. It it seems to go hand in hand. It seems to complement each other, not as a conflict of interest. It's just, I still haven't been able to wrap my head around it. Yeah, I I mean, I, I, tend to agree with you on that. I, I again, never Can once I in my just... mind did it raise any flags to me that it would be controversial in any way to anyone. You know, I mean, similarly, we want to bet on our community, invest in it. Um, you know, again, we are putting millions of dollars into creating a, a restaurant entertainment experience that provides value. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, the market really is the final arbiter on whether or not you do that and do that well or not. Um, and so, but again, if you believe in your community, uh, I would almost think it would be more controversial to do that outside of your community. Was your That's community exactly not worth ask. investing in? You know? That's what I was going to ask. In, in the inverse, I was going to say, how would it look if you were the mayor of a city, mayor or a city council member of a city, and you had a business and you had and an see, opportunity to develop in your city and you choose not to? Michael, I think that the answer is, uh, again, that um, not that you haven't had to deal with your share of uh, people who didn't like you in your life, but it doesn't matter because the, because it was, it was both corruption and a conflict of interest to own property in the city of crystal. And then also in a different city, because why are you not, why are you, why do you have rental properties that are in a different community? And then, and then somehow it extends to somehow that community is also providing you with some sort of corruption and kickbacks or whatever it is. And it's never substantiated, right? It's, it's always some kind of random, you know, whatever it's this vague, whatever. Let me just, let me, <clears throat> let me ask a couple of, of, of questions. Uh, sure. Tim Sanders, did the city of Blaine give you uh, any special tax breaks for your restaurant? Zero. Zero. Okay. No, I mean, we, and nor we, did we pursue any, anything you know, were, financial from the city at all. Were you given any special treatment whatsoever about any, anything related to this particular project? No, not at all. We followed the, did the, the full pro- process. Did yep. the project go? So it's a, so you, it's some kind of, uh, and I don't know all the details. I apologize, but the, I know. So this, it's a restaurant. So you're, you're thinking about opening a restaurant. You went to, did it go through the planning commission? Is that where it went originally? Or did uh, it not have to go through no, the planning it, commission? It, it did not have to go through the planning commission because we are more than, I think it's more than 500 feet away from a residential okay. home, and, and right? So, only, which triggers your your public yeah. hearings that are in front of the full city council instead of the planning commission. So there are only certain things, not everything goes through the planning commission. And there's a whole staff that deals with that, right? And they know all of the reg- regulations and, and, and what goes where and, and, and whatever. And then... Did you take the did you take the League of Minnesota Cities training for like new hire people? Did you go through that little thing when you when you were first elected? 
Yeah, it was virtual for me back oh, in 2020. Wow. Because one of the things, I mean, they talk about one of the things they, they dive deep in, and I'm sure that you've had conversations with your city attorney, but we talk about conflict of interest. We talk about right. various things. We talk about, um, we, we talk about all of these, all of these, um, and how to get, how to not get yourself in a jam and who to loop in and all of those things. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the ability for someone to secretly push a project through is just not re I mean, it just doesn't exist. I mean, the, the number of people, mm -hmm. there are so many public hearings, there's public notice that everything's published. There's just, you know, um, so that's why these kind of these notions of corruption always, or these notions of special treatment always kind of, they lacked, they didn't make sense to me, right? Because it, it just doesn't, you're just kind of going, I, I wouldn't even know how to do that if I tried, right? I, <laughs> it would, you'd have to be like comically bad at, at some of this stuff. You know, the, the one thing that I thought was really interesting. So um, I had a particular council member that didn't like me. Shocker. Nothing I, nothing I could do, you know, nothing right. I could do would make sure. them like me. It just, yep. did, they just didn't like me. And therefore yep. everything I voted for, they voted against. And, you know, it was just all this sure. stuff. Yep. What I found really, really interesting though, is that this restaurant that you had, that, that you have came up for a vote to move the patio or get an outdoor patio approval, something like that. Right. Yes. It was moving the patio from the rear of the building to kind of the front and the side. Which so it was actually was, a conditional use permit amendment. Okay. We already had a CUP, right? So, so we're getting like way deep into the into the nerd weeds here. But uh, you know, the, uh, cities there are certain things that you are allowed to do in the city code, and then there mm -hmm. are certain things that if you want to do them, you can do them, but you have to get approval, and that's what a conditional use permit is. And sometimes they come with conditions, and so it's like a, a frequent one for like an outdoor patio would be they would put a condition on it so that if you had repeated noise complaints that then you couldn't continue to use the patio or something like that. Mm -hmm. I mean, those are the kind of things that a city would do is, is they'd say, this is a use we want to look a little bit more at and decide, do we want to put a, some conditions on them or not? Right. Right. And in simple terms, those are things that are permitted uses, but which they're going to place conditions on. So it's actually right. really kind of restrictions on permitted uses. Yeah. And to your point, it's, you know, uh, whether it be attached to the CUP or the liquor license, like, hey, if you have a patio, and you're going to have liquor out there, it needs to be fenced or kind of barricaded off from, you know, people can't just be able to walk in or walk off the patio. There's noise decibel levels, right? I mean, it, it's all of those things right. to where you're saying, this is how you be a good neighbor functioning in your permitted use, you know, kind of in your area. Yeah. And you recused yourself on any on any votes related to the the restaurant, yes? On your own restaurant, yes? Correct. We had an original public hearing in front of the city council in March for the original conditional use permit. Our liquor license came through and had a public hearing in May of this year. And then uh, most recently at the last council meeting uh, was a CUP amendment, all three of which I recused myself, left the dais. Uh, as did you, well. I was going to ask if you left the dais. Sometimes yes. people yes, do I and did. sometimes they don't. And, nope. and I don't and have a strong opinion on that. We've established you don't even have an office so where you just wander the halls because there's no, there's not even a secret room for you to go to and there's no smoke room I, you can go to. Did you just wander the halls? I, I, that's a great question. I actually did walk uh, back off of the council. There is, there is kind of a, a sitting room. And so I literally was sitting in this room by myself. Great. 
and, and sitting there waiting. And I'm like thinking this really, like I understood that there was, you know, just from some of the emails that had been flying around, you know, I understood that there was some, but I thought it would be 10 minutes and I had no idea it would go as long as it did, which I don't know how long it was, an hour, hour and a half, but I'm just sitting there going, what in the world is going on? It's a lot of time to have to sit in a little room by yourself. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, and and the, so I am going to nerd out a little bit more. One of the things that they that you talk about when you are when you are doing anything related to zoning or planning, uh, issuing a conditional use permit or issuing a variant, you are functioning in what they call a quasi judicial function, yes. right? Yep. And and what that means is you're not a judge, but you are supposed to approach it as if you are a judge, which means you don't prejudge the project. You take all of the facts in and then you vote mm-hmm. based on the facts and you vote narrowly on the on the law, right? And the, the law is very specific about why you can or cannot approve a project. And we were always, it's not required, but we were always taught to cite the particular law. If you were voting against a project, you had to cite the reason why and make sure that it was a a, yeah, well, I mean, legal point, it's, it's right. literally called a finding. You have right. to have a finding to vote against a CUP and, or a variance. So you, so what you have to have a me. specific reason. You have to have a. Yeah, you, just so you, can't, you can't. You, you just can't, can't thumb down. You don't like Correct. it because you don't like the person who owns it, or you don't like their, you don't like their attitude, or whatever it is. Right? There's a lot of reasons, and there are actually a lot of things that you need to be careful what you say because they if you if you decline something and and the person who is applying can point to the fact that you were not acting properly in that quasi judicial in that judicial role that you had prejudged the project or that you were using inappropriate um, mm-hmm. reasons you could get in legal trouble you could get in legal trouble personally and the city could get into trouble so what kills me about this whole process is that the only shining example of I'm not going to go so far as to say call it corruption, but I'm going to say inappropriate behavior is that the person who was accusing you of all this stuff wildly voted against your conditional use permit because they don't like you, <laughs> right? Not because they had a concern with the patio moving from one place to another, right? There wasn't a, it wasn't a noise decibels were not, were not, uh, you know, cited as the reason it was, it was just, well, I don't like the mayor and I'm yeah. going to make a political point, And so I'm going to vote it down. And that is what kills me is that when I looked at the whole situation and it just rang so true to my personal experience because there were, and in my case, again, very hyper-partisan people who are serving in a nonpartisan role who put politics above anything else and just couldn't get along with anybody else and just had to, you know, make these huge, I, I, I don't know. They, they, it's, it's like a, I, did, I don't understand the behavior, but I don't like it. And I wish it didn't happen, but it's well, very and, common. And very similar to your point too, right? I mean, another thing too is cities do have precedent. And so you have to treat instances and applicants really pretty much the same across the board. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just ironically, uh, late this summer, I think it was or sometime this summer, we had another restaurant, which is actually ironically owned by a sitting state senator right now who I like and love love his business and love everything about love again just as a Blaine resident love that he invested so much into bringing something new to the city of Blaine uh 
they had a conditional use permit amendment for exactly the same thing, moving their patio, expanding their patio and adding live music. The only difference was they actually have residential townhomes that are maybe a couple hundred feet from their patio, whereas ours is like 12 or 1500 feet, literally across Highway 65, like nowhere even close, right? That's Uh, not close. Not even close. Uh, So it's funny because that passed unanimously and without any comment whatsoever. And so again, you've got a situation where you're not treating applicants the same with almost the exact same ingredients sitting elected official, you know, conditional use permit on moving a patio and adding live music. And so again, like you said, it, it, it is very uh, concerning, you know, that that is what causes dysfunction and distrust in city government. It's not, it's not that there's a conflict of interest. And let's think about this just for a moment. Minnesota statute, even the league of Minnesota cities contemplates that there will be legitimate times where there will be a conflict of interest. And so there is steps put in place for you to take in order to not have undue influence or receive undue benefit in those instances, which is to recuse yourself, remove yourself from the dais, to abstain from voting on it or talking on it, uh, all of which things that I have done. But if, if you were to never be allowed to be in a situation where there could be a conflict, the law would state that but it provides remedies when a conflict arises. And I think that is something to the public needs to understand or people have instances that there are appropriate ways to handle things where there's a conflict. And the conflict here is just, I shouldn't be voting on my own project, but there's nothing the city was doing for our, for our restaurant that it wouldn't do for any other restaurant or that it didn't just do for another applicant, which is to say, yes, you can have a patio and have live music. Yeah, the um, and I think people lose uh, again. I can't get in the head of people who go down these wild accusations. But if you think about think about a township or think about these small towns where there's a few hundred residents, right, and there's a few people, and everybody owns property in town, and they're the only business owners in town, and all these things. It's not like this is an unprecedented situation. Um, and as you said, there are there are there's procedures for it. From everything I can tell, the procedures were followed, uh, and it sounds the the whole issue to me. Again, the reason why this came about is I read that, and I just immediately, it was like I was back in the council chambers, hearing all about how horrible I was because of X, Y, and Z this week. And it was just yeah. like, okay, what is it this time? What 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 did we do? What did we do this time? And and I hate that part of of municipal politics. I, I have to be a hundred percent honest. One of one thing we did when I was on the council is we had a park and the park had a road going right through the middle of it. Always has. And we said, we're going to take the road out of the middle of the park and we're mm-hmm. going to just put grass there and we're going to connect the two sides of the park. But the way that I was treated by the residents in that neighborhood for daring to think that we should not have a busy road in the middle of where the ball field is about the the accusations and all of that. It was one of the reasons when I just went, you know what? I, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. Not for $8,000 a year, because I don't want to hear, sit here and listen to these accusations of, of corruption when what I'm trying to do is take this park and just make it one park instead of two parks with a big road in the middle. Yeah. I just don't want well, kids and, to get hit by a car and, right, and exactly. you're just, and you're just gone. Too. 
Okay. You know, yeah. and, and so it's, um, it's unfortunate. Uh, I know we're uh, probably over time at this point because I just love to talk and I could geek out on this municipal stuff all day. Is there anything else uh, you wanted to cover before we go, Tim Sanders, or anything uh, Anything else? One final plug for how great Blaine is. The place where I get the uh, – I have a pool in my backyard, and the, our pool store is in Blaine, and so I have to go up there all the time to get pool chemicals. So I'm there oh, a lot. Right there's, on. There's now yeah. a uh, – there's now a um, – uh, great steak right down the street from there. So I plan my yes. trips around lunch yeah. so that I can go get my great steak and then get my chlorine and microflux yes. clarifier or whatever yes. it is right there. Yeah, so. another another little amenity hub spot that we we're able to get. Mayor Sanders, we appreciate you joining us today. Where can people follow you, get more information about the great city of Blaine? Yeah, thank you guys so much for having me on. Um, you know, certainly follow the city of Blaine official and all of your social media platforms. Uh, I am uh, Tim Sanders MN on X. I don't do a ton of social media uh, just because it is oftentimes a cesspool <laughs> and we don't get accurate information out there. Shocking. Boy, I hear that. Uh, but, but I do, I mean, the city of Blaine does put out great information. Uh, the city of Blaine's website is really, really positive. has a lot of great information on it as well. Uh, but we've got a lot going for us in Blaine. Uh, you know, we are developing strategically and comprehensively. Highway 65 just received all of its funding uh, to have that redone, and that is going to transform our city in the North Metro. Uh, but we have a, a fantastic community. I love serving it, and I really appreciate you guys having me on. Great. We hope we can have you on again. And uh, it's a great opportunity for Jeff and, and also Becky at some point to just really geek yeah. out about municipal. Yeah, let's dig into more CUPs. There's yes. just been a twinkle. There's just been a twinkle in his eye today. Yeah. That's just quite remarkable. So it's great that you're able to. Great to spend some time with you. So Absolutely. Thank you so much. Well, hey, anytime I can provide some value, I'd love to come back. Sounds great. All right, thank, All you. Right, thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Jeff, this is would be the point in the post interview that I would say to either Becky or you and your guest hosting that we just interviewed. So, and what's your take on it? Since you did a lot of the interview. I think you should throw it back to me. Uh, all right. That works for me. Uh, so, Michael, we just finished our interview with uh, Mayor Tim Sanders of the city of Blaine. Uh, any final thoughts on that? A couple things. You two are nerds. You two are big municipal nerds. And I, Stipulated. I will say a couple things. Becky and I, and you've contributed on to many episodes. We were discussing, we just did the one-year anniversary episode of The Breakdown, and we noted that we had discussed local issues. What I meant by local issues was mostly state legislative issues, discuss some national issues, and we've also dipped into international. We have now dipped our toe very far into municipal issues. And it was great to do. It doesn't, um, it doesn't, it get, any more, it doesn't get any more in-depth than conditional use permits and zoning ordinances, but yeah. And for our listeners who don't have this opportunity, we record on Riverside so we can see each other we're not recording in studio right now, but Jeff and I are recording remotely. Becky is getting ready for her fancy wedding this week. And there was an absolute twinkle in Jeff's eye during that entire interview. He just lit up a kid on Christmas morning, seeing that present under the tree. This could not have been a subject matter that just warmed his heart more than talking about municipal code. It's like when we interviewed Secretary of, Steve, Secretary of State Steve Simon and Becky had the opportunity to talk about election law and election results and election reform. Those two geeked out in the room. And so seeing you and Mayor Sanders remotely 
there was a mutual love for municipal code and the nuances of city government. And for me, it was just delightful to see. It was just well, heartwarming. I'm just heartwarming. Could, I'm glad I could provide that opportunity for it, you. It was, it was like that. It was just remarkable. It's like two chess masters just going head to head. Wow, fantastic. You know, so I wanted a couple of final, couple of final thoughts here. You know, I, it's unfortunate, um, but I have a lot of experience with unhinged elected officials. Um, I unfortunately dealt with it a lot. I had unhinged current elected officials and then unhinged uh, former elected officials that uh, just had this kind of obsession with whatever it was I was doing, or in many cases not doing, um, but they had imagined that I was doing. Um, I think the council in Blaine and the mayor in Blaine are in for a rough couple of years. Um, it sucks. Uh, the behavior generally doesn't stop. Um, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm of two minds on the subject. We, we haven't, we didn't name the council member who was making the wild accusations. And that was intentional on my part in that. I, I don't know that it's best to feed that type of behavior and reward it uh, when what they're looking for is headlines. Um, but at the same time, if you don't name names, have you, have you not held that person accountable? I, it's, it's tough for me. Um, I really, I feel bad for them um, because I know how disruptive it is to have somebody on a board or on a council and a commission that just has no interest in being productive. And, and, and there's a difference, of course, between no one's asking everyone to agree, right? It, it's, it's actually much better when people disagree and you have good spirited debates and you get better solutions that way. So nobody's saying everyone needs to vote the same way. What you do need is you need people who are all working toward the same goal, which is effective governance. And some people just like to disrupt things and they, they can't get past personal motivations, political motiv motivations. It's awful. Um, and so I feel bad that, that they're going to have to deal with this for the next few years because there's not really much you can do about a bad elected official. Um, you know, you can vote them out next time, but the threshold is necessarily high for removing someone. I don't know that this person has met the threshold for removal anyway. You know, I, even if we had an easier time to recall somebody, I, I don't know that this behavior has met um, that high standard anyway. Um, one thing I did want to loop back on is, you know, I mentioned during the conversation about about um, acting in that quasi-judicial function, which is just a fun word to say, quasi-judicial. Um, it's fun to listen to. So, you know, that there are things that you can say and there are things that you can't say, and you need to be careful about what you say. And it's not that it's not restrictive on speech, but it's that you're supposed to be judging things on its merits and you're supposed to have facts and you're supposed to be acting, you know, like a judge would. You're supposed to be judging the facts in front of you. And if you stray from that, you're going to get yourself into trouble. What's interesting to me is that the council member in question here in Blaine has already has already crossed that line once receiving a letter from the attorney of a, of a developer um, for some statements that were, was made at a work session um, suggesting that they were involved in some unfair labor practices uh, generated a, I, I mean, it uh, when you're a developer that works with a city, you're not interested in 
um, getting your lawyers involved any more than you need to, right? Lawyers are expensive. Uh, a lot of work is done based on relationships. It's better to have a good relationship with people than a contentious relationships, uh, a contentious relationship. Um, so when a, when a, when a, uh, developer in this case, the developer, uh, is, and let me look it up here so that I don't get it wrong. Enclave companies. So developer named Enclave companies, uh, had their attorneys, Larkin Hoffman, send a letter to the city of Blaine, uh, earlier this year, July, 2023, discussing that the comments that were made by this, this council person, um, were essentially defamatory. I mean, they, they were, um, let me see here. The allegations are defamatory and factually unsupported and that the company will respond aggressively to any further attempt to impugn its reputation with allegations of labor improprieties. So um, that's a pretty big step when a developer who's trying to get work done in the city has their attorney send a letter saying, uh, yeah, well, you're going to force us to sue the city council if you guys don't stop making up things, unsubstantiated claims about us. Um, so I, I think the people, the city council in Blaine, the mayor of Blaine, the city staff in Blaine, who takes up the brunt of a lot of this dysfunction when there's dysfunction on the elected body. And then uh, ultimately the residents of Blaine are going to have a rough couple of years as this person continues to try and build their um, personal brand on, um, you know, kind of, just causing trouble and not doing anything useful for the community. Who suffers? Well, first of all, let me ask two, two follow-up questions, if I may. How common in your experience are letters like that uh, when they're sent to city councils? Is that a common occurrence? No. No, it's very uh, rare. Uh, very when, you have, when you have, again, you're trying to get a project done in the city. You need to work with the city staff. You need to work with the elected officials. You need to work with you need to be a good partner all around. There's a lot of things that are going to come up during, um, during a development. It, it's like, it's like dealing with the building inspector, right? You, you treat them with respect. You, uh, there's some give and take, there's, there's gray areas in, in any, any type of regulation. Right. And so you can have somebody who's going to go 100% by the book and make your life very, very difficult. Or you can have somebody who is understanding what the, the reality of the situation is and saying, okay, um, that may be a couple inches off of where it should be, but, I, but it's structurally sound. It's going to be good. We're, we're fine. You know, you, you know, you have reasonable people. You don't want people to be unreasonable. And there's never been a situation where somebody has gets their lawyer involved and it calms things down. I mean, that just doesn't happen, right? It just, that's a, that's a step that turns up the heat. And so the decision by a developer to send a letter like this um, to the city was, I'm sure, not taken lightly. They felt that it was important enough to mention that they're not going to allow somebody to go impugn their character and accuse them of things without without proof. You can't just go accuse people of things. And um, so not common because most people are uh, know how to behave themselves better than that. I'm going to preface my question with uh, a general statement that I have long, long held a long belief, long held this position, which is Jeff is uh, served on in the past on the Crystal City Council. Jeff is one of the, if not one of, if is not, if he's not one of the smartest, if he's not the smartest, he's one of the smartest people that I know. 
in terms of local elections, functionings of city government. He is a tremendous resource. I can't begin to tell you how many times uh, I've relied on him to answer or explain an issue uh, related to anything at local government. Jeff's knowledge is is vast and ex- it extends well beyond city code, but he is a subject matter expert. And the, the reason why he's here today is because he's a subject matter expert to comment on this. And multiple times throughout the course of this, of our, our history of our podcast, we relied on Jeff, not for his food takes or any of his other opinions, but certainly about municipal matters related to municipal business and, and doings. And so my question to you, based on your experience, is how who gets hurt the most by this type of behavior? My my uninformed opinion, but I'll ask the expert here, is that the citizens do it. It impacts, it, it complicates city business. It makes it difficult for development. It breaks up the dynamics and the working relationships of the council. When you have someone approaching it in this way, where they want to assign virtue to what they're doing and vice to everyone else. It really poisons the well. And so in your experience, what is Blaine looking at if this situation doesn't get corrected? There is, I mean, everyone suffers, right? And I don't know who suffers the most. The people who, I hate to get all libertarian soapbox on you, but we we don't have a democracy. We have a representative republic, right? The whole point being you elect somebody to represent you and they're supposed to go and be your advocate uh, yeah, in the elected body. So the people in Blaine who elected this person do not have a functional representative at this point because they have someone who um, can't work with other people. They have someone who makes wild accusations that are unfounded. They have someone who is not going to get any sort of agenda through and is largely going to be ignored. Uh, legislative bodies are all about the majorities. I used to tell people all the time um, they needed to be able to count to four. We had seven people on our council. You need to get, you need to know how to count to four. How are you going to get three other people to agree with your position? That's through a number of things: persuasion. Um, explanation, enticement, you know, different ways of explaining things to people. Um, Accusing people of corruption with no basis in fact is never a way to get people on your side. And so the people who elected this person to the council do not have an effective representative. There are six other people on that council and they can do absolutely anything they want to do without that person's input. And so those people are now left without a functional representative because that person is is incapable of working with others. And again, nobody want nobody is saying that person should agree with everybody on everything. Or if they have a real bona fide case of corruption, they should absolutely bring it forward. But you actually have to have something more than I don't like this person or I'm a Democrat and they used to be a Republican, right? I, I mean and I don't want to make this a particularly partisan thing, um, but in both cases, in in the city of Crystal and in the city of Blaine, the people who were the people who couldn't get along and couldn't behave themselves were the most partisan, flag waving Democrats that there could be, and they were they were all about that they were part of the DFL and they were they were the DFL representative. I'm the only Democrat on this council, and I'm the only and. That in and of itself, and it doesn't have to be a Democrat. If, the, if it was a Republican, it could be the same exact thing, right? Um, uh, we've had county boards that were similar that had a lone Republican that 
also couldn't get along and couldn't get their agenda moved forward. They, they, so, but it's people who really embrace that partisanship in a place where everyone else is trying not to play politics and just trying to get along. That's, that's a problem. So, um, I feel bad. The city, I always feel bad for the city staff. Um, the city staff are professionals. They have to work with these people. Um, uh, the staff doesn't have the luxury of saying, yeah, I'm just not going to take your calls anymore. Uh, I'm not going to respond to your emails. I'm just not going to deal with you because that person is um, an elected official and has to be dealt with on par with the same that other elected officials are. That said, staff is human as well as, in, you know, just as much as anybody else is. So, um, are they going to be a little bit slower in responding to certain inquiries? Are they going to not put their full faith or their full effort into something that they know is just going to get used against them later? Um, you don't want to be that person that everyone's walking on eggshells around. You know, I was able to, I'm not to, trying to toot my own horn per se, but right that I was able to affect a lot of change and change minds and get things done a different way. But at the end of the day, people still, you know, people, I guess for the most part, I've never had anyone say that they that they refused to talk to me after I left. Right, I have a good relationship with a lot of the staff that was there when I was there. I can still call them and ask them things, um, and that doesn't mean that we didn't have contentious conversations about things that where they were advocating their opinion and I was advocating my opinion. But there's a way to do that where you just aren't a aren't a psycho. You aren't a jerk. You aren't just make yourself just. Um, someone that nobody can deal with. And um, so the other council members are going to be in for a tough time. The staff's going to be in a tough time and the citizens are left without a representative. So um, that's that's too bad for them. Uh, I hope they do a better job selecting and vetting their representative next time. I want to point out to our listeners that, and, and uh, once again, that this episode was generated by tweets sent out by Jeff Kolb. You can follow him on X or Twitter at at JP Kolb um, to get the backstory in this. And it was a great discussion. And we're going to follow this more and talk about it more. Jeff, I do wanted to give, this is a last minute addition to our script and our schedule for the day. We can cut this if we need to, but I wanted to let our listeners know about the Christmas lights outside your house. Oh yeah. Thank you so much. Um, I wanted just to note, which is, and I have found this so interesting. Jeff has the online persona of being a, the absolute Scrooge. Get off my lawn, Scrooge. But he has got a big heart. He is a big softy. And one of the best ways to talk about him being a big softy is to talk about his light show. Take it away. Uh, so we have one of those crazy people light shows outside our house where all the Christmas lights are in sync to music. So you pull up in front of the house and tune your FM radio to 88.1 and you'll hear some uh, Christmas carol classics and uh, see some flashing lights. And it's a fun time. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, my kids, uh, one of the things we like to do, drive around and look at Christmas lights. You know, my kids were talking about the Christmas lights. They asked, do we have a big you know, can we put up a bunch of Christmas lights next year? And um, I guess as dads are want to do sometimes, I took it a little bit overboard and I'll put it out there, but I'll, I'll put a plug for the show. So as you know, I live in Crystal, uh, crystallightshow.com, crystallightshow.com has all the details of the hours when you can come and see us, where we're located, all that kind of stuff. Um, I love having people come out. Um, if you know me, you know, send a text or send a, message on um, X or whatever it is that, that you want to do. I'll come out and say hello. 
or don't. Uh, <laughs> you don't have to say hello if you don't want to, but it's a good time. I, uh, uh, I love it. It's, 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 uh, it's, it's fun. So another nice for, for letting me have the, letting me have the plug that that was, that was nice. I always want to do that. And the nice thing is if you park your car and walk up to the front door, Jeff is always serving milk and cookies. So feel free to do that too. Just knock on the door, milk uh, and cookies uh, served. Yeah. I'm just Back. joking. It's a great, it's a great show. I've driven by multiple times. Haven't been there this year, but I'll be over there in the coming days. And uh, it's a great show. And it also is a manif- It's a best example of how the voice you hear, the person online is not really who they are. And uh, the Crystal Light Show, I hope everyone enjoys it. And I uh, wanted to make sure we gave a plug to Jeff and his great work and his family's great work for bringing a little light and sunshine and happiness into these cold winter months. So thank you, Jeff for joining us again Uh, you know as long as uh, as long as we're doing plugs let me do one last minute i i would be remiss uh i'm a big fan of pinball uh we were talking about blaine and i never mentioned blaine brook but blaine brook bowl up in blaine has a great collection of pinball machines so if you're looking for something to do up in blaine uh keep the pinball alive because i need them to stay open so i can go and play pinball when i get the urge you want to plug your your dentist or your doctor's office or your you know where you get your your pockets? No, I'm good. Oh no, no I'm we're good. gonna talk. Oh oh oh! I just said that. I just said that. One last thing I want to say about we Jeff. We don't need to talk about this. We One last thing I'm gonna say about Jeff. Oh, Jeff, and we do not need to talk about this. Okay, I won't say it then. I won't say it. No, it's fine. It's fine. You can, I think people should know that it's an option. Um, just came to me. Um, and we can, we can absolutely edit this, but we'll decide off. We'll decide off here. Jeff, uh, has Jeff expands the size of his pockets in his pants. Jeff, it sounds dirty what I'm saying, but can you just explain it to people? Because, um, okay. I do have like, family members. I do have family members that listen and they're going to think I'm being, no, you literally like, expand like every, the size of your pocket. Like, like every other person, like every other man around, right. I, I have a phone and I have this big stupid phone and you need to put it in your pocket. And for whatever reason, the jeans that they make these days have these stupid tiny little pockets. You put your phone in your pocket and it just sticks out the top or that's just not comfortable. I've, I've got, I don't, I don't carry a purse. Okay. So I have, I have a wallet, I have car keys and I have a phone and sometimes my AirPods that I have to carry around in my front pockets and the tiny little pockets on the jeans that I buy are not good. So I went to a tailor and I said, can you just make these pockets longer? Is that possible? And they said, sure. And there you go. And so if I buy jeans that don't have, that have pockets that are not long enough, I'll take them to the tailor. They're located right here in Crystal. And you better say their name. I actually have no idea. They're in the mall that's up by Target. I, I have no idea what the name of the shop is. It's just the tailor up by Target. And Can I ask? They, they, and they expand, they expand the pockets. So you you brought the jeans in and yeah. you said, "Hey, can you expand the pockets?" Yeah. Did they did they have they gotten that assignment before? Had someone come in with that request? They did not act like it was the dumbest thing they've ever heard. So, I mean, it was not, I, I mean, I, I didn't know, I literally didn't know if that was a thing that people did or like that it was a, like, I, I've never heard of anyone else doing it. But so I just walked in and I said, is that a thing you could do? Do you think you could do that? And they were like, yeah, sure. No problem. And this is a problem on one set of jeans you buy or all your jeans? Uh, it depends on the jeans. So you know, like the ones I have now, the, 
the the stock the ones I'm wearing at the moment the stock pockets were fine they were they fit the phone and they fit the wallet but I have bought pairs of jeans in the past that and now I tend to look for it when I buy jeans I try to I try to I don't know how people carry you you have one of those phones that's like that's like 14 inches wide or whatever I don't know how you carry that around in standard pockets how do you do that I have I've never had to have oh, my you're a, you're a belt clip guy, aren't you? You're the kind no, of guy. Who's got, I've oh, never yeah, had. Yeah, I've yeah, never yeah, had yeah, my pockets. I've never had to have around. my pockets enlarged. <laughs> I let me see. Um, I wore I wore a set of jeans recently, and I didn't have any issues with the phone. Okay, well, I'm glad that you're buying jeans that have good pockets. That doesn't always happen for me. Jeff, I own one pair of jeans. Yeah, I I don't. I don't understand that behavior, but okay. Yeah, I just not it's just it's not my it's not a good look for me. Well, well, right. I just I just wanted to you know, is there anyone else we want to plug in your life? Any uh, other no, business? I, anything no, you come I, across? No, but but I think it's funny that you're going to say that jeans are not a good look for you, but you walk around in those zubas all day. Okay, all right. What are you talking about? Your zubas. You're wearing them right now. I don't have zubas on. Michael, I can see the video. You've got. The classic black and white striped Zubas. That's it's fine. You don't have to be embarrassed. They're coming back. They're making a comeback. I don't. Ha what makes you think I have Zubas on? I can see them on the camera. Uh, you can't see them on the camera. Do you want to know what's funny? Do you want to know right. what's funny about that yeah. joke? Yeah, go for it. Unfucking believable. <laughs> Tell the listeners. He's wearing black and white Zubas. I'm not wearing black and white Zubas. I have, this is a color camera. I always wear Vikings attire. The day after the Vikings game last night, even though they lost. And there was an area, let me just start over. There's an area dad, one of my daughter's softball team, who had a pair of Zubas. And they were Viking Zubas. And they're not Vikings pants Zubas. They're shorts. And I'm like, those are really cool. And looking for some additional Viking attire. I've never wear them out of the house. They're just they're just my kind of casual Viking attire. And so when you were telling that story, I'm like, does he know that I'm wearing Zubas right now? Because I'm I have Zuba shorts on. They're Viking Zuba shorts. And so is I'm that, watching. Is it. that what you got going on? Okay. Because yeah. I don't think you saw me. No, I, I didn't. You... I didn't tell you that. That was that was totally a guess. So I guessed right. But how did you I... guess that? Uh, You've never seen a... them. You're just a Zubas kind of guy. That's all I could say. I've never owned a pair of Zubas until this. I just got these in the last year and you've never seen me wear them. <laughs> I've never worn them out of the house. You don't know that I have them. And you know, who, you know who I am. You wouldn't think that I would own Zubas. That's the whole knock. That's the whole thing around the house here is people are like, I don't, they can't believe that I would wear Zubas. Not that they say there's anything wrong with wearing Zubas. I think you are. A I, so I have to disagree with, with your family. I think you are a Zubas guy and it doesn't surprise me at all. Are you telling, so you're telling me that you said that without knowing the fact that I was wearing Zubas. Yes, correct. Absolutely. That's unbelievable. Yeah. That's great work. I'm glad yeah. we have this recorded. Thank my wife, my family's really going to love this episode because they think they do think that the fact that I own Zubas, this one pair of Zubas, and it's Viking, it should get out more because it's not people wouldn't think that I would do that, but I do it. it it's not like I have a tattoo or something. It's just a pair of Zubas, but it's just yeah. not my thing. I'm not a big gene wearer, but it's interesting that you went right to Zubas, and I'm glad that we pressed record on this. I'm glad we kept doing this. This is great. This is the content people turn in for. I know it. Well, Jeff, thank you again. For all that you did and this week in helping out and we're going to continue to have you on 
and uh, great content, great stuff. And uh, we look forward to having you back on again. All right. Thanks for having me. We want to thank you for listening to The Breakdown with Broadcob and Becky. Before we go, show some love for your favorite podcast by leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or on the platform where you listen. You can leave a review or give us a shout out on our website or across all social media platforms at at BBBreakPod. The Breakdown with Broadcob and Becky will return next week. Thank you again for listening.